Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Works through all these things, and so the so he gets done. He's healed. Man goes back to that same restaurant where he threw the coke in the guy's face, and sure enough, same waiter. Waiter comes to the table and says, hey, can I get a Coke? No, the last time you were here, I had to change my shirt. You threw it on me. Hey, listen, I've been to therapy. I've been healed. You've been what? I've been to therapy. I've been healed. The waiter says, well, congratulations. Let me get you a Coke. And he goes and gets him a Coke. And the guy throws it in his face again. The waiter looks at him and says, I thought you said you'd been to therapy. I am. I'm healed. I'm no longer remorseful for what I did. You know, I laugh at that because how many times is it we know something's wrong and for a while we are so apologetic, we recognize the, the wrong and yet we continue to do it to the point that we get to where we just decide it's okay. There's no more remorse. We, we can live our life and, and we, can, we can come up with every excuse there is to figure out why it's okay to do what we do when we know down deep that it's wrong. This morning we're going to start this series on called Open Heart. And I want us to, to in this series, evaluate our hearts. Because our hearts tell us a lot about who we are. Our actions reveal a lot about what we believe. And so this morning, I want us to look at Luke chapter 8. And I want us to be honest with ourselves. And, and listen, at the end of this morning, some of us may come to this place and say, Hey, I'm honest and I feel no more remorse. But I should. Because I'm not right. Or maybe this morning you come to a place with an honest evaluation of your heart. You recognize where you are and you're grateful for the grace of God. But you need to move closer. Would you just this morning have an open heart? Would you be honest with that, with yourself? Not with me, but with yourself and with God. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Luke 8, would you... Stand as we read God's holy word. This is a familiar parable that we know if you've been in church. But it's a parable this morning that I think has a powerful statement for us. Beginning in verse 4, it says, As the crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the the rock, and when it grew, it withered away, since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up, and it choked it. Still other seed, seed fell on good ground. And when it grew, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was more sown. And he said, this he called out. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Verse 9 says, then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? 
So he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you to know, but to the rest it is a parable so that looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who heard and the devil has come and takes it away, away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear it, receive the word with joy. Having no root, they believe for a while and then fall away in a time of testing. For the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground are those, are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you remove the distractions today, you remove the, uh, the, the things of this world, and that, Father, you just speak to our hearts today. May we be honest and open with you. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, Doug, turn me down just a tad. Uh, uh, this parable is one I, we, we know and we, we've looked at. In fact, Mike Thomas and I were talking about it this morning. This parable has this potential that at one time or another, you may have been in all four categories. Now, Jesus tells this parable, and it's really a parable that helps you understand four different style people. But in order to come to know Christ, for some people, they have started with a hard heart, and they've ended with, a, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they had to work through the processes. But the intent of the parable is to say, these are the four different types of people. And what I want us to catch this morning as our big idea is that God's word changes people's hearts when they receive God's word and allow it to produce good fruit in them. Catch that. Your heart is changed by God, and if you've got a changed heart, you've got a heart that is producing good for the glory of God. So don't come to this moment and go, well, I've got a good heart, because my question to you will be, what are you producing for the kingdom of God? Because it works both ways. There's a lot of good people. We know a lot of good people. Hell will be wide open with good people, right? It's all in what we do for the kingdom of God. So let me give you four hearts that we see in this. The first one is a stubborn heart. A stubborn heart. You know, listen, show of hands. How many know somebody who's stubborn? I didn't say point to that person. Just show of hands. You know, we, we, we know stubborn people. Uh, but... In this moment, when we talk about a stubborn heart, it's one of those who refuses to acknowledge something. Again, stubbornness. We all know people who are stubborn. They refuse to acknowledge they're wrong. Amen? You know, they're always right. Uh, they can, and I love, I love it at times they'll go, I, I know I'm wrong. I got it. Uh, so here's the thing. Stubborn hearts are people who refuse to acknowledge God's truth. In fact, in verse 5, look back with me at verse 5. It, it tells us in the text that it was trampled on, that it's on the path, and the birds of the sky 
came and devoured it. It's this idea of the hard surface. You ever ever work around fields, you know that a farmer keeps out to the edges of his field as the path in which the tractor moves and what things go. It's the hardest place to grow anything because that's every time they're coming to the field, that's the path they go. And it's hard. And it's very difficult for anything to grow there. There are people who have their hearts so stubborn to the Word of God that they refuse to have any conversation about God. And they've got their reasons why, but the truth of the matter is Satan's come and was working in their heart, removing any thought process for them of good. Stubborn hearts are people who just don't want to stop and think that there could be a God. They think maybe that, hey, Somehow we're all here, and they can't explain how, they're all, how we all got here, but what they know is, at the end, we're all going to die, and that's it. And they miss the whole point. The whole point of the gospel is we're all going to live forever somewhere. The question is where? Either, either in eternity with God or eternity separated from God. And I promise you, eternity separated from God is hell, and it's not something we want to be a part of. Stubborn heart. Second thing we see in this text is a superficial heart. Superficial heart. It's the heart that, that as we look in the text, it, it gets excited all of a sudden. It's ready to go. And then it withers away. It's no longer. Look with me at the text and you, you see that again. As you notice the superficial heart, it's the one that, that grows quickly. Um, it's a seed that, that falls on the rock, and when it grows up, it withers away since it lacks moisture. There's, there's, there's no real depth to it. And, and catch this. This is the one of those that when, when things happen, it just kind of fades away. It kind of loses. It, it's almost like they come to know Christ at a mountaintop experience, and they think mountaintop experiences happen every day in the life of a believer. How many live a mountaintop experience every day for God? Heavens knows I, I don't. Listen, I'd rather be on the mountaintop, but there are days when you walk through the valley, amen? There are difficult days. There are hardships, things that come. In John chapter 8, we read these words. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, I can, if you continue in my word, you are really What? My disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So in order not to be superficial, you've got to have some depth and you've got to understand God's word. You, you've got to know what God is calling you to and what God is about. But to get excited because people, you know, to, to get excited about faith because other people are excited because somebody said, hey, this is a good church, you'll like the music, you'll do this, you'll like this, and there's no depth of spiritual growth, you wither away. You wither away. One of the things we've said, uh, uh, one of the things that's been said through COVID is we're going to see the church when, the real church when COVID ends. Because what's going to happen is those who've been withered away or those with shallowness, 
they're, they're not coming back. Because here's the reality is that they found their new norm for Sunday. Their norm for Sunday was, hey, let's go see everybody, and then we'll do this. Now they'll have a new norm. It never was about spiritual growth. It was about the connections they made. We'll see all that happen at the end of COVID. The third thing we see is a selfish heart here. A selfish heart. And notice in, in, the, in the explanation that Jesus gives, it's nothing that they've, they encounter. There's no, temp, there, there's no struggles. It's not, like, it's not like they're being choked out like the one uh, of the, the other one. It's, it's, they just get pleasure. The selfish heart finds pleasure in all sorts of other things. They put their attention in all the other places, their riches, their own personal worries. And you go, well, how's worry not a struggle? Because we know the answer, but when we worry, who do we worry about? We always worry about us. How this affects me. How's it going to affect my children? It's always about me. And a selfish heart doesn't struggle with the temptations. They struggle with the pleasures of this world. And what they want to do is they want to stand on both sides and go, how can I, how can I be in both worlds? And you can't. James is telling the believers that, that there is a relationship with God. In verse 8, it says, being double-minded and unstainable in all his ways. In other words, you cannot be double-minded if you are a believer. There is only one focus, and that's on God. Jesus says it this way in Matthew. No one can serve, how many masters? Two masters. Since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God is a jealous God. He expects your, your time. He expects your obedience. He expects your heart. And so we see three hearts here. All three hearts are people who don't never make it to the kingdom of God. Now, the stubborn heart, let's, let's be honest, they're not looking to make it to the kingdom of God. They don't even think they're going to get there. They don't even believe there is such a thing. But when you get to the stubborn heart and the selfish heart, both of those have come to a point in their life who they've, they've heard the word and received the word. But it's never impacted their life. It's never taken real root. It is those people who when you ask them about their relationship with the Lord, they begin to tell you where their church membership is. I didn't ask you where your church membership is. I asked you where your heart is. Well, we go to, and they name that church. Or, or they... Uh, uh, the, they won't say we go, they'll just say, you know, we've attended. Neither one of those gets in the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, we, we know this, right? 
Church membership gets you nowhere in the kingdom of heaven. But we do know that salvation in Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And in salvation in Jesus Christ, we know that, that the Bible teaches that we are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we are to be a part of the local church because we all need each other. We can go down that, that conversation and talk about why the body of Christ is needed, why you are needed in the body of Christ. But you don't understand your role in the body of Christ if you don't understand salvation in Christ alone. Because if it's not about the gospel, as the Sunday school lesson was talking about today, if it's not about the gospel, we're just playing games. So it leads us to the, the fourth one, and that's a saved heart. A saved heart. Now notice what a saved heart does. It, it goes in the ground, takes root, and it grows. It produces. Well, let's talk about that for a second. When a seed goes in the ground, it, it, produces, it produces something. You put an apple seed in the ground, it's going to produce an apple tree. You're going to put a, corn, a, piece of, uh, a seed for corn in the ground, it's going to produce corn. When it produces, it makes an impact. When you think about an apple seed. When it produces an apple tree, what happens? Apple tree produces lots of Lots of apple trees. And it makes a difference. Pam's grandfather used to have an apple tree, uh, ha had two apple trees in his backyard. I hated them. Um, well, let me, let, me, let me explain this. Um, he had apple trees that, he, that, that grew apples that we never really took care of them. You know, we didn't spray them. We didn't, you know. And what would happen would be is after he passed and I started mowing the, the yard, you, you, it just wore you out to get close to the apple tree. But here, here's what happened. When it produced apples, because we didn't take care of them, the limbs were just hanging over. I mean, they were drooping. And apples would be all over the ground. So when I would mow the yard and I'd get, you know, listen, you don't plant anything in the middle of the yard that you want safe if I'm going to mow. There ain't no reason you put something in the middle of the yard except grass that needs to be mowed. I'm going on. And so I would get as close as I could to that apple tree. And, and I would just wear, and you know, it would be funny. You wouldn't want to stand near me because with one of those blades get a hold of that apple, it's slinging across the yard. And I'd just laugh, keep going. But I loved what that tree would do. It was always a reminder to me of what a believer should be doing reproducing more believers. Now, can you reproduce another believer? Can I? No. Whose work is that? God's. It's the Holy Spirit working in us. But guess what we are? We are, we are the gospel's hands and feet. We are the ones who are to be proclaiming what God has done and how God has impacted our life. That apple tree always reminded me of that. Today that apple tree's cut down. It just got in the way and died. And it reminds us 
that life has an expectancy. We're not going to live forever on the side of eternity. That apple tree didn't live forever. It made good firewood. It kept withering away. Of the four lives, only one, or the four seeds, only one sees the kingdom of heaven. Only one produces the fruit that God has called us to. What does your life look like? How does it play out? We know Scripture teaches, Jesus tells us the, the, the parable of the ta- wheat and tares. You know the wheat and tares parable? I, 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 I don't like modern translations when they talk about the wheat and tares because it, what it says is the wheat and the weeds. Now the difference is you and I can go out and we can figure out what wheat looks like and weeds look like. But the, the Aramaic word there is tear, which means uh, a copycat. Means they look identical. If you remember the parable, Jesus, the disciple said, do you want us to go pull them up? No, you, you can't pull them up because you don't know which one's the wheat and which one's the tear. The only way you know the difference is what's inside. Jesus tells that parable to remind us that there are people who are living on this side of eternity who look like they're saved, but on the inside there is nothing. The Holy Spirit's not living inside their life. And so while they may look right, when it comes to that moment of harvest, when God calls us home, God will see what's in our heart and he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, depart from me. I know you not. And the truth of the matter is, it is in the people who are self-centered and are stubborn have this idea that I'm okay. At some point in my life, I walked an aisle, shook a preacher's hand. Grandma got excited. I went to the water, baptized, and came out. But if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you just walked and talked and went into water, got wet, and came out wet. No life transformation. So you have to have an open heart. It requires honesty to determine where am I in my walk. Now hear hear me. All of us are selfish, are we not? Am I the only selfish person in the room? I love my Cheetos. Don't take them away from me. Selfish. Drew came home with a bag the other night for me. I was so excited. He said, don't eat them all in one setting. So it took me two. Selfish. And there are moments that we can be selfish and still be saved. Don't, don't miss that. You look at David, man after God's own heart, was selfish when he saw Bathsheba. Peter was selfish when the girl said, aren't you with them? <laughs> no, no I'm not. We have those moments. But the difference between a saved person and their self-centeredness is they recognize it and they repent from it. Versus find pleasure in it and live in it. So what's our takeaways today? Let me give you two. First takeaway is simply this. Your heart reveals the truth about your relationship with God. 
Your heart reveals your relationship, the truth about your relationship with God. What does your heart tell you? Does your heart speak to you on a regular basis about your need for grace? Does your heart speak to you regularly about the love that Christ has for you, that, he's, that he went to a cross for you? Does your heart speak to you about how much you are valued and loved? Or does your heart speak to you about what you're doing next in this world? Looking at the stock market and making a change, climbing a corporate ladder or trying to get this. If your heart is constantly looking at the world and not at God, there needs to be a moment when you stop and be truthful and evaluate that heart. Your heart reveals the truth about your relationship with God. If the only time you think about God is Sunday, that's a problem. And it may be the reason why you never hear from God because he only hears from you once a week. The second thing we learn from this text is your relationship with God requires you to guard your heart at all costs. Throughout this text, we find that there are things trying to, to take us away from God. A hard-hearted person or the stubborn person is one that the devil comes and quickly takes the seed away. We read that, and, and that seed removes so they don't even stop and think about the gospel. The one that falls in the in the soil but is quickly choked out that does not have moisture is quickly it's quickly choked and is found other things are taking its its focus it doesn't have any roots to grow it's the temptation the the struggles of this world it faces and when it faces it it gets so consumed with the struggles the selfish heart is one that goes in the ground and grows, but is constantly looking at the pleasures of riches and other things of this world. And because of that, they never, they never mature. There's a guarding of our heart that needs to happen, a guarding that, needs to, that is required to, to protect ourselves. I was trying to think how, how best to illustrate that idea of guarding and I got to thinking, of, I got to thinking about um, sports. And you know, last week uh, we said goodbye to football for a little while, and we'll pick it back up. But if you've ever watched football and you've ever watched linemen, they're an interesting breed. Linemen are guys who who are excited that they're. 300 pounds and they take a doorway when they walk in they're wide they they get excited about those things because those things help them do their job in a passing play a lineman's job is to protect the quarterback to guard him at all costs to make sure that no one gets to the quarterback and so in a passing play what will happen is a lineman may not get down in a full stance but they'll get in their get in a squatted stance and when the ball is snapped they are moving with their hands and their feet quickly trying to, to, to protect their quarterback. 
At times, if you'll watch a lineman at any, at, on a college level or a pro level, you, you'll begin to think that lineman's getting his butt whipped. Because every time they're moving, the, the guy is coming on him and he keeps backing up. But the reality is, he's just protecting the quarterback. The goal is not to stand still. The goal is to make sure the quarterback never gets sacked. And so even if he is backing up, as long as the quarterback's not getting sacked, he's doing his job. His feet are moving. His hands are out in front of him. He is pushing. It looks like at times he's wearing, he is wearing down, but he is staying strong. As long as the quarterback does not get sacked, he's done his job. And I think about guarding our heart, that's exactly what has to happen for you and I. We have to keep our moving, feet moving. The Bible tells us to flee from sin, so there are times we need to be moving away from where we are. We have to keep our hands up and away from what's going on. There may be moments it looks like we're getting our tail kicked, but the truth of the matter is we're guarding our heart. Because the most important thing is our relationship with God. Well, the world may see us wondering why we're struggling so much. God sees a pure heart. God sees a heart that's working strong and in love with him. What does your heart say about you? Does your heart say that I'm in love with with the Father who sent His one and only Son? Or does your heart say, I know the Father who sent His only Son, but I also am loved with other things? Jesus reminds us we can't serve two masters. We'll either love one and despise the other, or we'll be devoted to one. Who are you devoted to today? Our heart speaks volumes. The question is, are we ignoring our heart? Have we come to a place in our life and says, oh, I'm better. I just don't have any regrets anymore. Would you pray with me today?